Good morning. It is Thursday, April 15th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, but as you know, it's Thursday. That means it's Recruiting Thursday. And so we're in a second going to be hearing from Blair Angulo and Brandon Huffman as they break down the latest with JT Tuimoloau who, yeah, still has not made a decision yet. The lone holdover of the top 247 from the class of 2021, who just so happens to be the number one ranked player in the class of 2021. JT is eyeing some visits. He's hopeful to be able to do his officials in June as he looks to whittle down his final five and make a decision. Huffman's been all over the JT story for the last several years now. He told us in February uh, during signing day that JT was going to take his sweet time and try to get some visits in once the NCAA ends the dead period. And with that expected to happen on June 1st, well, then you can expect JT Tuimoloau to draw that decision out. But regardless of what happens, wherever he chooses, right now, Ohio State might be the perceived leader. I think everyone is confident in saying that JT is going to be an impact player in year one. One. So let's hear more about a future college football superstar. Hey, what's good? Welcome back to another edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. We've got a special guest on the line, but before we get to that, I want to remind you to please rate us, review us, and hit that follow button wherever you find your podcast. We're dashing head-on, heading into the summer, heading into what could be the end of the dead period. There are reports by CBS Sports' Dennis Dodd that the dead period will be lifted to start off the month of June, which would really kind of open up things for recruits. And, and, and there's no better time than now to really kind of catch up on some of the prospects that your favorite team is in on and, and pursuing for this 2022 class. We're bringing in our guest now. That would be Brandon Huffman. He's the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. And he is known uh, around these parts as the resident JT Tuimoloau expert. He's the number one prospect in the 2021 class that has yet to sign. And we're going to kick things off right off the bat, Brandon, with, with some JT Tuimoloau talk. But before we get there, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Blair. You know, we've got baseball season in full effect. I've got warm weather in the Pacific Northwest. Basketball season's ramping up. The draft's coming up. Spring football is some places it's done, other things going. There's just like something going on all the time these days. Last time you were on, you 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 mentioned you're you know you're you're hanging out at the 19th hole, which is nice. I, I am. In fact, I, I was back at the 19th hole this week to refresh after uh, the district golf tournament, which my daughter played in, wrapped in. Yeah, I'm still finding that even though the weather is getting on the sunnier side, it doesn't necessarily mean it's on the warmer side in Washington. So I'll still sit in the 19th hole. The uh, indoor version it's a marathon golf is and and it seems like jt tuam allows recruitment is also a marathon it's heading into now kind of that that period where there's no turning back for him he he's really stayed firm and and stayed linear to this end game that he had which was to take the official visits there are reports that the ncaa will officially lift the restrictions on in-person meetings which would then allow jt tuam and other prospects to continue to 
go through their process, start to schedule some of these visits. And and it sounds like he does want to be able to squeeze all five of those in before he announces his decision. What's the latest there on JT? I know you caught up with him over the weekend. Yeah, so we actually have some movement there. He was able to take in Washington's spring practice on Saturday. It was their first open public practice that they've had under Jimmy Lake, even going back to last spring when they never got really a spring practice. Getting JT on campus was significant, mostly because he hasn't been on a college campus since last January when he visited Washington. You know, before that, he had visited Oregon. He had gone down to USC. He camped at Alabama going into his sophomore year. He's never been to Columbus. But after about a, you know, what, 15-month layoff between college visits, one of the big reasons that JT has waited as long as he has to make a decision is his insistence on visiting each of the five schools. So he got a take. It was a a small, you know, relatively insignificant visit. If you look at it from a visit standpoint, he was only able to go to practice, wasn't able to talk with the coaches, wasn't able to tour any of the facilities, but we have movement. He is on a college campus and now with the likelihood that the NCAA dead period concludes on June 1st, talking with him, talking with his dad last weekend, he is planning to do a back-to-back to back-to-back to back kind of a swing of trips to Alabama, Ohio State, Oregon, Washington, and USC, not necessarily in that order, but he plans to hit all five of those schools. He'll play his final high school football game this week. He'll go right into basketball. That season ends in June. He graduates in June, and then boom, it's official visit time before he sets a, a, a basically figures out where he's going to enroll. You know, when you're going there with the back to back to back, it sounded like Chris Berman at the home run <laughs> derby. <laughs> I was getting those flashes. Let's start with Washington there. Since he he just took that visit, he was at Husky Stadium to check out the Huskies in spring practice. Washington is one of two schools that has also offered him in basketball. Now, that's, you know, neither here nor there because he would have to be a football athlete regardless of, of what other sport offered him. But how significant are the Huskies in this running? Because for the longest time, it has sounded like he could be headed out of the region. You know, I, I think for one thing, the basketball offers are like window dressing. It's like, hey, we're going to throw in a free car wash after you just spent $75,000 on this car. We're going to throw in a car wash. It's like, okay, great. That's not the deal sealer for me. It's everything else. The basketball offers are well and good. But at the same time, you know, neither of those schools are losing any skin off their teeth because those offers don't really mean anything when he signs a football scholarship. So it was nice window dressing for Washington to do it last spring and Oregon to do it this spring. But the reality is it's still going to come down to football. And Washington is trying to make it about football and about proximity to home. Nobody offers at the five schools that he's still considering, nobody offers more proximity to his home in the South Sound than the University of Washington. They were the first school to offer him. This is how long ago it was that he was offered. Chris Peterson was still the head coach at Washington, and the Huskies were in the beginning of their second of three straight New Year's Six seasons. It was in September of 2017, three weeks into his freshman year of high school. And here we are as he wraps up his senior, not a football, but almost a senior year of high school, and he's yet to make a decision. So the Huskies have been in this the longest. They were the first to offer football, first to offer for basketball, and they've offered something that nobody else can, and that's the proximity to home. Now, that doesn't mean that him going to practice on Saturday swings all the momentum Washington's way, but it certainly doesn't hurt for, for some folks that thought Washington never really was a factor in this. I think it's very significant that he was at practice on Saturday, that he took it in. And if you read the article that was on 24-7 Sports this week, you know he talks specifically about what he observed at the practice, just from a, uh, a practical standpoint, what he saw the, the team doing in that practice, and he paid attention. So I think that that's something that really is a big deal for the Huskies, that by the time he gets on the road to visit the rest of these schools, 
they will be done with spring football. So he actually gets a chance to observe a practice. And again, I think that the fact that he was able to just wake up after playing in the game on Friday night and drive up to Husky Stadium for practice on Saturday, that's something that Washington is probably really trying to sell to him is you're never going to have a better home field, hometown advantage like you are here. You know, I'm, I'm a bit cynical, and I, I think you you know that. Do you feel like Washington opened up their spring practices for the first time ever under Jimmy Lake, knowing that there's a JT Tumalo out there to get? I absolutely do. And it's also interesting how a couple other schools out west are now all of a sudden jostling and posturing to have their own local health board expedite the approval for them to get people on campus and to open it up to the public. So maybe it's not just for JT, but it's, hey, Washington beat everybody to the punch, got him on campus. Now these other schools are going to want to say, well, we want to be able to open these practices up to the public. Hey, we also want to make sure that some of those public are recruits that we're after. I I think it, it absolutely it is believable to think that Washington did it, not just to, you know, I, I think there's a couple things. I mean, remember Jimmy Lake, when he was hired, it was after the end of the 2019 regular season. He coached obviously there for numerous, a number of years, but he never got a spring practice at, at Washington in his first year. And then his first season as the coach, all the games were closed to the public. So on one hand, it's probably Jimmy Lake's chance to say, hey, we want our fans to be able to see this coach team. Remember, we've talked about it on, on this show before with Emeka Egbuka. He wasn't ever able to go watch spring practice to see the Washington offense in action. or And he had to wait until the season started in November, and that might have been too late. So I think there was one, a measure of, we just want people to be able to see it. But yes, I absolutely do think that there was a measure of, but if this also brings some recruits to these practices, even if they're sitting in the stands, that only helps. Very smart, and and I love that strategy. And like I said, if you if you can make that work, you might as well play within those parameters and and try to use that as a as a tool to to capitalize on and to really help you build. We're joined by Brandon Huffman. He's national recruiting editor for twenty four seven Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. So we've got Ohio State that that has a, a lead right now in the Crystal Ball. Alabama is in the in in the picture. Oregon, USC among the finalists as well. What's next for JT? after he he schedules the these visits are, are you anticipating him to sign is he going to sign you know a grant and aid is it only going to bind the school what's kind of the the roadmap that he intends to follow yeah it's going to exactly do that he'll sign scholarship papers that'll bind the university in which he's signing with it won't bind him i don't anticipate him signing scholarship papers with all five schools which has become kind of a popular thing to do or at least it used to be in the pre-early signing period days. And, and then uh, you when, figure out which school he had he, he joined, right? Like you would have to figure out if he attended class. Exactly. And remember, there were schools that would announce that a kid signed with them, knowing that they were at risk of a secondary NCAA violation if that player ended up enrolling somewhere else. So now I, I don't anticipate he'll sign scholarship papers with, with five schools, but I don't anticipate him signing anything but scholarship papers with those schools. And it may be as late as, you know, mid-June when that happens, and he could theoretically be on a campus a week or two later, starting classes, starting summer workouts in preparation for the fall with whatever school he chooses. But I still think we're at minimum two months away from this thing wrapping up. I feel like we're going to have to send you to Seattle Tacoma International Airport at some point this summer just to kind of make sure if he gets on a flight or not. I remember that being something that some media outlets did to see where Najee Harris ended up. And the, the funny was that there were people that followed him to the, uh, the San Antonio airport at the Army All-American Bowl one year to see where he went without realizing that, well, San Antonio is not a direct flight to either Tuscaloosa 
or Detroit, and I guess a direct flight to Birmingham or Detroit, it went to Dallas. So that threw everybody off. It yeah. was only where did he land? Exactly. What was his last flight to? Exactly. Seattle's got a lot more one-way flights, though, or direct routes, I should say. So, so maybe I will have to go there. Although TSA is slowing things down a lot more these days. You got to get that pre-check, Brandon Huffman. Uh, oh, before, <laughs> before we get on to the to the next segment, the last thing on, on JT Tuimolowau, I mentioned earlier, Ohio State still the leader right now in the crystal ball. I don't want to put you on the spot because, there, like you said, there's still a lot of movement that could happen. There's still at least two months until he starts taking some of these official visits. But how how close is this battle? Like like is it is it close because he hasn't taken these visits, or is it legitimately close in terms of all these schools are just making it really difficult for him? I would say it's relatively close on all respects. Like I think the fact that I've had my crystal ball on you on Ohio State for JT going back to last May, and I put it at a one. That shows you how little confidence I had in Ohio State. Yes, I still maintain Ohio State is the leader, but but like the most infinitesimal size decimal point in the world that much over Alabama. And I think that there might be a gap between those two schools and the three Pac-12 schools. But I also think the later along in the process we get, the more those five schools really start bunching up. And I think that the insistence on taking all five of those trips, when really, if you get down to it, he only needs to visit Ohio State. If you, if you really wanted to get technical, you could say he only needed to visit Ohio State because that's the only one he hasn't been to. But his family's only been to the Pac-12 schools. They want to see Ohio State. They want to see Alabama. But they'd also like to see the three Pac-12 schools as well. I think that tells you how close this race truly is. And again, I think that you know it's going to be when he does the five consecutive official visits, there's not going to be a whole lot of time to deprogram and decompress and schools to talk him out of. It's going to go bam, 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 bam. So those visits will be really crucial in seeing where he ends up. But that's how close this thing is. Like, I had to put in a crystal ball confidence point because we were offering the new crystal ball confidence point meter. And that's why I put it at one because this really could go any one of five ways. I'd probably realistically say it's going to go one of four ways. I I think there is one school that might be a little bit more on the outside looking in. And I think that that school having signed the number one player in the composite in 2021 USC, you know, would probably say, okay, it could be worse. You know, we didn't get Corey Foreman or JT. No, they got Corey Foreman. And I think JT would be absolutely icing on the cake. But I do get the feeling that SC's faded a little bit in recent weeks. And I think that, you know, Washington has made a compelling case just being close to home. But I still think that Alabama and Ohio State and Oregon, and I don't think USC stopped trying either. I just think that, you know, this thing is still so close that if one school got eliminated one week or faded, they could move back up into a good spot a week later fascinating stuff and and i'm sure we're gonna have you on the podcast at least a couple more times before he even starts to take some of these visits so it's the the saga that never ends jt tumalow the number one prospect in the 24 7 sports rankings in the 2021 class still has yet to make a decision we're going to be back with more from brandon huffman here you're listening to the 24 7 sports football recruiting podcast this is tony kornheiser show i'm tony we expected someone else So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. (laughs) 
And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. March Madness and the Masters may be over, but the sports calendar never sleeps. The NHL trade deadline, daily NBA, NHL, MLB action, the RBC Heritage Tournament, got the NFL draft news and rumors, the UEFA quarterfinals wrapping up this week, and your home to stay in the know for all of it, CBS Sports HQ. CBS Sports HQ is the only sports news streaming service that's completely free. How do you watch CBS Sports HQ? Well, it's easy. It's available for free on your computer, your mobile device, or your connected TV via the CBS Sports app. Or if you're more of a YouTube person, subscribe to CBS Sports HQ on YouTube for all the latest sports news videos on demand. Personally, I never ever miss a big story in sports because I turn it on the first thing in the morning and leave it on all day while I'm working. And I'll leave you with this. If you're a sports news junkie like myself, no sports network is faster with breaking news than CBS Sports HQ. Brandon Huffman, you've been on CBS Sports Q a couple times, no? A couple times my face has shown up for all to stream across the country. <laughs> it's a great it's a great platform and, and and obviously we've been very lucky lucky to have that as a setting for some college commitments and prospects going on there so if you want to be able to check out some of these top players top recruits announce their college decision put on the hat pull out the puppy from under the table kiss babies do all that stuff you're going to be able to do it on CBS Sports HQ a, a player that we will be keeping tabs on uh for 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 you know the next couple months heading into the summer is a four-star receiver from the Pacific Northwest Westview High School in Portland, Oregon. He would be Darius Clemens and he's been a hot name. He's been, you know, in a way trying to narrow his focus, but there's new schools entering the picture that just are not allowing him to, to really just hone in on a few. Yeah. You know, he names a top 10 in March and subsequently ends up with offers from Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. He set some official visits, but there you got these other new schools getting involved. And obviously when Alabama offers, that's going to catch the attention of just about any kid, especially receiver when you have a guy like Devontae Smith win the Heisman, have one of the most memorable seasons for a receiver ever. That doesn't go unnoticed with receivers. So now Darius Clemens' top 10 has now essentially become a top 11 with the offer from Alabama. Now, he has locked in four official visits. He is set to do a, a pretty busy June with a visit to, interestingly enough, Auburn on June 4th. He'll visit USC the following week on June 11th. Penn State the 18th, where I have my crystal ball ever so slightly on. And then Michigan at the end of June. And then I think he said he plans to leave that last official visit open for the fall so he can see, you know, maybe one of the schools that he's still considering and get a game day setting there. He's also very strongly considering the University of Oregon, which is the, the home state school, but he won't use an official visit for the Ducks, given that he's been there numerous times, even with the pandemic. So this is going to be fascinating because I think Alabama certainly swung some pendulum that looked like I might be heading maybe to Penn State or Michigan, maybe to one of the Pac-12 schools. And, and now Alabama is firmly in the mix but then florida and georgia are sitting there trying to make a late push to get involved with him as well so now with plus 30 offers four official visits set it's going to be a lot of schools jostling to get that last official visit we'll see if he sticks with the four he's got scheduled for the month of june or if one of those gets canceled and a new school that maybe has offered since ends up getting an official visit while he still saves that other official visit that fifth one for the fall 
Darius Clemens, a top 24-7 wide receiver out of the state of Oregon, 6'3", 205. You mentioned it that you have your crystal ball slightly on Penn State. Why do you think the Nittany Lions are leading the charge there? I know that's been a school that's been really, really high on, on his list, even dating back to his to his sophomore year. Yeah, you know, what's been interesting there is it's not even so much just what Penn State has done. It's also what some of the commits to Penn State has done. And most importantly, Caden Saunders out of Ohio has been committed to Penn State for almost a year now. He actually flew out to play in a seven-on-seven tournament on Team Lillard, which is the team that Darius Clemens plays for, and came out to play with him because the relationship between the two has gotten that strong that he said, hey, hop on a plane, let's go play in a seven-on-seven tournament. Where was that seven-on-seven tournament? In the city of Yakima. Who's from Yakima? Well, the Penn State receivers coach, Taylor Stubblefield, happens to be a Yakima native. Now, Taylor Stubblefield was back in Penn State when that tournament went on, but don't think that that conversation wasn't lost between Caden Saunders and Darius Clemens, that those two are uniting in the hometown of a coach that's recruiting the both of them. So they've just done a fantastic job of recruiting him, really, from the beginning. He's actually got originally ties from the Midwest. He's originally from Michigan. So while Penn State native neighbors, Michigan and Michigan State, they've done a great job recruiting him. And it's not just been Taylor Stubblefield. It's also been James Franklin. It's also been Caden Saunders. And I think that the Nittany Lions have certainly made a compelling case for him. Get him on campus for an official visit in the month of June will be huge. I imagine that if Saunders isn't doing an official that weekend, at the minimum, he'll probably do some kind of unofficial around that same time. But, but I believe he is planning to visit later that month, but likely will flank Clemens on that trip. So I think Penn State is very much a candidate here. Clemens, because he left the state of Washington to go play in the state of Utah for his junior year, because he was originally from the Midwest, I've never gotten the impression that he was married to staying on the West Coast. And I think Penn State offers a nice opportunity for him. And that's why I kind of went with him in the crystal ball early and maintained that. Darius Clemens, the number one rated prospect in the state of Oregon for the 2022 class. Huff, I've seen him in seven on seven a couple times, and he's a big bodied receiver, really physical, a, a perimeter guy for sure, a guy that's outside, but could also do some stuff underneath, move the chains. And whenever I've seen him play, just looks like the prototypical Big Ten receiver, the guy that, you know, in the snow, he's going to, you know, lower his shoulder and try to pick up a, a first down, guy that will strike up the band, uh, you know, he just seems like that type of player that can, you know, potentially take his game to the next level in that conference. He's one of those guys, too, that if you look at him, you might think possession receiver. But I was at a camp that he was at last summer where he clocked a 4-3-40 and he was flying. He was cooking. And so, you know, initially one of my big kind of scouting reports on him was more that he was a big body guy rather than, you know, a big fast guy. And I think he kind of answered that question there. You know, he's, he's got the body control. He can adjust to all his passes. He's got great hands. I know you got to see him this fall playing in Utah. And really, I think Pleasant Grove played one of the tougher schedules in the state of Utah. So the talent that he was going to get against in Utah was far better than the talent he's going up against in Oregon. And he actually had his most productive season in the state of Utah. So he's a really well-rounded receiver that I think has just really kind of blossomed over the last year and turned himself into one of the premier pass catchers in the country. Just recently was invited to play in the 2022 Under Armour All-American game, which I know is something he had been hoping to be a part of, but you know, just a kind of a complete re receiver that I, I think is going to be really good wherever he ends up. Top 20 guy and a very good, I mean, we've talked about this. This is one of the best receiver classes out West and really one of the best receiver classes nationally. In a while, he's ranked 20th 
at the position, and yet that still puts him in the top half of the 247 overall. Yeah, easily could be in another class would be a a, a really highly rated prospect and a player that we really like. Uh, Huff, before we let you go, one other topic to discuss, and that would be the finale of of high school football out West this spring. We had been hoping to get a season for months and months and months. Obviously, everything got pushed back from the fall to this spring. Looked like things will be canceled at some point altogether, but they were able to make things work and we're going to have the final weekend of high school football in the state of California. And and what better way to end it than with Modern Day versus St. John Bosco, two teams from the Trinity League down south in Southern California, both teams undefeated heading into this matchup, both teams with 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 a dozen or or so division one prospects, basically in every class, you know, from freshmen up to, to their senior class. And I, I'm guessing that whoever wins this game is going to claim a, a state title. Oh, absolutely. And I guess that I'm betting one of them will probably claim a national title. <laughs> even in a, a, mythic, a mythical abbreviated national title. Exactly. There will be a banner hanging somewhere in one of those gyms. But I think what was the most fascinating kind of eye-popping number that I saw was a tweet from our, our partners and buddies over at Max Preps that 59 players in this game are rated as either a three-star recruit or have at least one FBS offer. So let's just assume, Blair, that nobody is starting on both sides of the ball. All right, let's just assume that you've got 11 guys starting offense, 11 guys starting on defense, three specialists. That's, what, 25 guys, a team that are playing? That means that at no less than nine of these players with offers are backups, are not even starters. So that should tell you the talent on this on the field in this game when 59 out of a possible, let's say, 50 players have offers. I mean, you don't look no further than St. John Bosco's quarterback situation. You've got one quarterback who's already committed to Boise State, had power five offers. The other quarterback in which he rotates with has a number of power five offers. This game is absolutely loaded. And I think it's you know been remarkable because there was a lot of people that thought modern day and Bosco were going to be down this year. Both were hit hard by graduation after the 2020 class graduated. You had DJ at Clemson, you had Bryce Young at Alabama. You had so many other players that went on to college. And yet here we are, and there might be more players with offers now than there were in the previous iterations of these games, which is essentially not only decided the Trinity League, but it's also decided who was the Southern section champion. And those two schools have combined to win the last four California Open Division state champions. So it shows you when these two teams play, a lot of attention is given to this game. I think our our buddy Greg Biggins will be calling this game on Bally Sports West, which still takes getting used to. But you can't really watch this game without finding a Division One prospect just about at every spot in the lineup. Yeah, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific, Saturday night would be the kickoff if you're interested and want to watch some high school football. And it's really high-level high school football. Modern day, obviously, with the tradition that they have at quarterback from Matt Liner to Matt Barkley to you know Bryce Young, the five-star who's at, at Alabama, even Ryan McMahon, who's playing in, in the infield for the Colorado Rockies now. And they have a freshman now to, to keep an eye on, Elijah Brown, who is doing really good things. So he's going to be interesting to watch. And, and one other battle to watch them, they, they might not be going head to head in this game, but I'm going to be interested to see the the stats that these two put together. All purpose back, Relique Brown, uh, one of the top prospects in the 2022 class, uh, anywhere committed to Oklahoma for modern day. And you've got Rayshon Luke on the other side, Speedy Luke, as they call him. 
him, who's been a, a track star in the state of California. He is averaging over, what is it, 14 yards per carry for St. John Bosco this season. Super efficient. I think in his last game, he touched the ball three times and two of them were for touchdowns. I mean, when he touches the ball, magical thing happens, but that's been what Relique Brown has done for the last three or four years. And he's sharing backfield duties with Marcus Yates at modern day. But like you said, I mean, you have the top pure running back in the state of California in Relique Brown. You have the number one all-purpose back in California in Ray Sean Luke. And I mean, that's the thing. You could do a position by position. The receivers on both sides are good. The quarterbacks, the linemen, the defensive linemen, but that's really the feature game. And it's funny because you go from a game that the previous two iterations of it was the quarterback versus the quarterback. And now a year later in two offenses that are really predicated largely on the pass, it's the backs that they each have that are guys that catch the ball out of the backfield quite a lot that both can single-handedly turn the momentum in this game. I would have a feeling we're going to see a little less rotation at the running back spot between both squads and both of those players getting the ball touched a little bit more than they have the previous few weeks. Well, there's a banner up for grabs, Brandon Huffman. So that'll that'll be a, an interesting <laughs> game. Uh, and you can tune in 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Pacific. You find it's modern day versus St. John Bosco on Saturday night. And our good friend and friend of the podcast, Greg Biggins, will be on the call as a color commentator. Brandon, it's been a pleasure as always. And I, I might have to, you know, I don't know, I'll, I'll have to figure out where we could stash you over at SeaTac. Find me a place that might be a 19th hole slash you know, nice little, what do they call those things? The, uh, the layover, you know, we'll call it the 19th hole. There's a golf course not too far from the airport. I can go uh, set up shop. I'm sure there's a lounge we can get you a membership for. I'll take it. All right. That is Brandon Huffman. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. He's a national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports. That'll do it for us this week. Make sure you check back later this month for more on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.